Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. We're going to start a new series, and we're going to start in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, and we're going to start a new series about the church this morning. And uh, we're going to read here. This is uh, Jesus speaking, Matthew 16 and verse 16. It says, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In verse 17, And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Man, what a name. Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In verse 18, this is a key verse for this series. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build... My church. Everybody say my church. church. Everybody say my church. church. And the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. So notice Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades will not prevail against it. So today we're going to start a new series called Why Church. And uh, today's title is Why I Love the Church. And I think you should too. Why I love the church, and I think you should too. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about why church, and we're going to do a series about it, so we're not going to fit everything in one message, but today is going to be the first of many messages in the next month or so about why church, why it's important, why should we care, because uh, a lot of people are asking questions like that, and, and God has answers for you if you're open to listen and you're open to hear them about why church. So today I want to talk again about why I love the church, and you should too. So let me start here uh, with the the problem. Before we get to the solution, let's talk about the problem first. Uh, The church world, especially in the U.S., uh, is in a bad place right now. And especially in the past few years, we've seen that escalate. People more than ever are saying, why do I even need to come to church? You know, I watched it online, kind of, for about two minutes, and then I got my coffee and turned off live stream. But why is church important? Why should I even care? In 2022, why should I even come to church or care about being a part of a church? Now, here's some stats, and these are actually pre-COVID stats. So if it's that bad before COVID, you can imagine how far we've declined since. So... In the early 90s, they took a research about the church in America, and they said, how much are you confident in the church or church leaders? 65% of the country said, I'm very confident in church. At the beginning of 2019 and 2020, that's pre-COVID, it was down to 36%. That was pre-COVID. So we were way lower than that. A couple decades ago, 50% at least of people in America went to church. Pre-COVID number is 29%. So if the numbers were that bad about the church in America, before COVID, these studies that they took were right before COVID started in 2019 and the beginning of 2020. How much more after the past two years The church of Jesus Christ in America, people have lost confidence in. The church, people have stopped going to church. 
and it's been a perfect storm. Now, I'm going to get you to a really good place, but we got to talk about the problem first. Because I know you're feeling it. You have these questions. Your coworkers talk about it. Your neighbors talk about it. People you go to school with talk about it. There's a lot of people talking about that. Why do you even try with the church anymore? But then after these numbers have declined over the past decades, we've had the perfect storm of COVID, which COVID was much more than just an attack on our world with a disease. It was an attack on the church. Come on, I need some help here. It was an attack on the church. And for many reasons, and I'm not even talking about masks and vaccines right now. I'm talking about the fact that it shut our country down, it, it shut our world down, and it got everybody out of the habit of being in church. For months and months and months and months, and sometimes people that live in certain states, they hadn't been back to church in years because of the restrictions. Do you not think that that's an attack from the enemy, not just with a disease, that's definitely from the devil, but to get the church in such a bad place, not just in this country, but worldwide, because he doesn't want the church to be what it could be. And he realizes if I get the church away from each other, if I get them divided with each other, if I get them mad at each other, then the church won't be the church that I've called it to be, which the church should be the greatest, most powerful organization on the earth doing God's will in the earth that is the the vehicle that God has chosen to change the world is his church so the enemy's tactic is to get us separated get us divided get us to doubt Christian leaders get us to doubt the the importance of being in a life group get us to back away from coming to church because I can watch it on my smartphone And listen, church family, we're about to spend good money on live stream equipment, but that's not church. And we're going to have great cameras, and you're going to be able to watch it when you go on vacation and and when you can't be here because you had to work. But other than that, you should be in the house because there's no replacing being together in God's house. I don't care how much you watch it on a smart device and act like you had church. You didn't fully have it. A podcast does not take the place of being together. It doesn't. And we're going to get the live stream equipment. We already got the money in the bank. You guys already purchased it. We're just waiting to install it. And our live stream is going to be the best. But that's not fully church. That's a, a supplement to the real thing. And we need church. But why do we need it? Now, I'm still talking about the problem. And we'll talk about the solution because we're talking about why I love the church and you should too. Then we had the perfect storm of COVID, which literally said you can't come to church anymore. Now you can go to the grocery store. You can go shopping. You can go hang out and do whatever you want to do with other people, but don't come to church. Does that sound a little weird to you? It's amazing. We have people that were in our church, that we know we're out doing all sorts of stuff, but said, I don't feel comfortable coming to church. I don't feel safe. But you feel safe at the grocery store with thousands of people? I don't feel comfortable. No, you just didn't want to come to church. And you found your window to not come. Most of those people are still not back after COVID. Well, I don't feel comfortable coming to church, but you're at your kid's basketball game during COVID with hundreds of people unmasked. But I don't feel comfortable about coming to church. How many know you're listening to the devil when you're 
thinking like that. You're deceived. But that's the plan of the enemy, to get the church to be divided. Because the enemy knows if, if there's a weak church in the world, that the church is the only hope that the world has. The church is the solution to the world's problems. The church of Jesus Christ. You still with me? And then, not only were we separated from each other, which is not good for any of us, and all the psychologists have told us, it has been horrible for all our mental health being away from each other. Not just even in church, just people being away from other people. It's not good that you're alone. I think somebody said that in the Bible. And mental health experts said that's the bigger pandemic than even COVID. Loneliness. Separated us from each other. Then while COVID is happening, this is all a strategic setup from the enemy. That's what I want to talk about. Why I love the church and you should too. Because people are doubting the importance of it. They're, they're doubting whether I should even be a part of one. Should I even care anymore? Then you had on top of that political divisions where it used to be that people could go to church and vote differently and still be in the same church. But because of COVID and everything that's happened over the past year, you can't even have two political parties in the same church because people are fighting each other. Listen to me. That's not God. That's the plan of the enemy to get people that can't even be in the same church with each other because one voted Democrat, one voted Republican, and one was independent. And now they're separated because of petty political stuff. So that's not what we're called to do anyways. We're called to build the church, not build America. You go play with me today because I'm just at the very beginning. We're called to build the church, not build America. Then on top of that, racial divisions. Now you got everybody because of what's happened in the past few years looking side-eyed at each other. You got white looking at black differently, black looking at Indian differently, Indian looking at Asian American differently, Asian American looking at Hispanic differently. And everybody's in the same church thinking, I loved you until all this happened, but now are you for me or against me? I don't know now. Guess who started putting those thoughts in your head? It's not God. It's the enemy to get us divided. And hear me today. Just because our church is in a good place right now, there's a lot of churches that never open back up all over this country. Thousands. There's a lot of churches that because of the political battles, they stopped having service because they couldn't get along. There's churches in the past few years that have been taken down because of racial divisions, because white versus black, black versus Hispanic, Hispanic versus Asian American, and they couldn't get it together, and they just shut the church down. I'm not making this up. This has happened all over our country and around the world because that was the plan of the enemy to get us, to get in disunity, to get us out of being in one accord, to fight against each other because he knows a united church is what changes the world. A united church is what we need in this world now more than ever. A united church is the solution to the world's problems. A united church is what Jesus is building on the earth. So, for this country especially, a lot of churches and Christians have drank the Kool-Aid. But it won't be like that in this house. They have gotten off on petty topics, race, political division, COVID. Should I wear a mask? Should I wear a vaccine? I don't care. Do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. That's what I care about. 
I'd rather you be in church with a hazmat suit if you got to do it. Come on now, somebody. Because you need the church. So, I know you're not encouraged yet because I'm just telling you the problems. You're just like, yeah, I already knew these. My coworkers talk about it all the time. Then on top of that, in the past several years, and I do not say this with any joy in my heart, it makes me sincerely sad. The church world has had major, major hits. Christian leaders, Christian pastors, churches, whole denominations that are pillars in our country fall because of verbal abuse, sexual abuse, affairs, handling money wrong. And that's all happened and come to light in the past few years. Major leaders, major churches, major denominations on top of all that. And guess what? The people that already didn't like church and Christians, they got ammo for days now. How many know that was the plan of the enemy? To get people that already felt that way to say, hey, look, look at this leader. I told you they were all phony. Oh, look at this denomination. I told you that they weren't preaching it right. Look, nobody's living this way. Oh, look at that church. That was the church that had it all together, and they fell. Look at them. And, and people on the outside have said, hey, look, what's the point anymore? Christians are fake. Churches are fake. Denominations are fake. No one lives it anyways. Look at what these churches did. They did more bad and they did more evil than good. What's the point? I'm done with church. And a lot of people are there in our country. A lot of people are there in our world. Even Christian people that have loved God their whole life are there. They're just like, I don't even know anymore about church. I still love Jesus, but the church, man, we got some issues. Your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends and your people in your life that you go to school with and in your family that aren't into church are definitely saying that like, man, I told you so. All these years I've been telling you these churches and that denomination, look, look, they weren't even living it. That's the problem we're at. But today there is hope and there is answers. And I want to tell you this morning that the enemy's plan was to get people, especially in this country, but even around the world, to lose their confidence in the church of Jesus Christ. To lose their confidence in, in being a part of community and being a part of a, a church that you go to every week and your kids are in and your family's in and you do life with them. He's getting us to question that. Why? Because we need the church. I want you to know this morning that the church was not a man's idea. The church was not the early apostles' idea. The church was not a group of people that just got together and was like, let's just start a religion and let's get together to steal people's money. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of other businesses you can go in that you'd make a lot more money than the church. Okay? Most pastors and churches are pretty poor, actually, sadly. So think about this. The enemy wanted to put us in this place that we were in this place to doubt the church and doubt the reason for it. But I want you to know this morning, the church is God's idea. And the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. So if we throw the church out just because it's got issues, 
There's no other thing that God has to work with. God has only one plan, and it's the church to do what he's called to do on the earth. There is no plan B. There's no backup plan. There's nobody else coming. The church is all that Jesus has to fulfill the mission of God on the earth. And the church is God's idea. This is not a man-made thing. That's why it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter the, the circumstances in this country, politically, racially, financially. It doesn't matter the leaders that fall, the churches that fall, the denominations that fall. The church is still being built because it's not built on Christian leaders. It's not built on denominations. It's not built on a certain church. The church is built on Jesus Christ, and he's still powerful, and he's still changing the world and he's still perfect and he's still a savior and he's still a healer and he's still able to do everything he said he could do he's the same yesterday today and forever and the church is his idea y'all want me to preach because i just feel like i might today let's look at matthew 16 and verse 18 again if we could pull that up this is what Jesus said to Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And that church is the only plan that God has. And notice what happens when I build my church, not even the gates of hell shall prevail against it. I want you to hear me this morning. Everything that's happened in the past several years in this country and around the world was a plan from the enemy, from the gates of hell. But guess what the good news is? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I don't care what disease comes to this country, the gates of hell will not prevail. I don't care what racial tension happens, the gates of hell will not prevail. I don't care who's politically in office, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It doesn't matter what leader falls or denomination falls. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But just so you know, be aware and discerning on what's been happening in the past few years. It's an attack from the enemy to get the church divided and to destroy the church. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. But the church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. I'm getting encouraged already. How about you? The church is God's family on the earth. It's God's people. And it's God's house on this earth. Let's look at 1 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in, notice, the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The pillar and the ground of the truth. I mean, no, that's, that's his plan to shake the pillar and the ground of truth. Have you noticed the more that the church has struggled in the past few years, the more lies have crept into our country? Anybody see that? Is that just me? The more the church has lost its confidence, the more the church has lost its influence in this country, the more the lies of the enemy have come into this country, especially and around the world, and they've been able to promote that. Why? Because the church 
is the pillar and the ground of truth. The Bible says that the church is the house of God, the family of God, the people of God on the earth. Let me tell you some good news here. As of right now, there's 2.4 billion people a part of God's church on the earth. Now, here's the encouraging part. Even though that things are declining in the U.S. of A., guess what? We live in a big world. Now, here's the good news. The global church is thriving even though the church in the United States has declined. The global church is thriving right now as we speak, especially in the global south. There's revival and salvation taking place in the hundreds of thousands and millions in South America, in Africa, even in the Middle East and Asia right now as we preach today in New Albany, Indiana. So just because some things have declined in the U.S. does not mean the church has lost its power in the world. The global church is still thriving and growing even though you don't see it on the news every day. And God is moving in countries and nations and continents all over the world even if we don't see it every day in our news in the United States. So God is moving Don't ever say, well, God's not moving. No, you're just saying God's not moving in America where you live. But even in America, God's moving. But you need to know that you're a part of something much bigger than New Albany, Indiana. Much bigger than the Midwest. Much bigger than the U.S. of A. We're not the only country, if you didn't realize that, in the the world. God loves all the countries of the world. And God is moving, especially in the global south, all over this earth. God is moving. And there's revivals taking place. So let's not get caught up in our just little bubble, little circle, and act like, well, God's not moving. and There's no revival. No, there is. We just don't see it every day. But I'm preaching about this today, so we will see it in this country too. And in this region too. And in this area of the world too. Because God wants the same for us. If he has people who are united behind his church. You want to hear some more good news about the church this morning? The church mobilized is the greatest force for good on the earth. I want you to know this morning, the church of Jesus Christ is feeding more people than any other organization on the planet. The church of Jesus Christ is giving clean water to more than any other organization on the earth. The church is clothing more people than any other organization. The church is visiting more people in the hospital and nursing homes and prison than any other organization on the earth. The church is building more universities, more hospitals are being built by the church than any other organization. The church is adopting more kids, fostering more kids, than any other organization on the earth. The church is there in the disaster relief and war-torn countries and countries of poverty. Guess who shows up? The church shows up. So don't believe the lies of the news that the church has now become bad and evil just because there's a few bad people in the church. Because they have painted it as the media like everybody's like this when that's only a few people out of billions and billions of people. 
Because the fact is, most pastors and leaders are 100% right and doing their best to serve their people. The thing is that most churches are not bad and not evil. They're doing their part to serve their community more than anybody else. Most denominations are giving more into missions and helping people than anybody else. Don't believe the lie just because of a few people messed up or denominations. That's what the church is. It's the plan of the enemy and the media helps to emphasize this. Oh, I, I told you they were all fake in the first place to get you to believe that lie. But what is the truth? The truth is the church mobilized is the greatest force for good on the earth. The church of Jesus Christ is doing more to meet the physical needs, mental, emotional needs, and spiritual needs of this earth more than anybody else. And it's not even close. The church of Jesus Christ. And that's the church that you're a part of today. We should be proud of that. Not go cowering and hiding because a couple people messed up. That's not you anyways. Or denomination. I don't want to acknowledge. No, you need to acknowledge it because the church is the greatest force for good on the earth. And it's God's idea. Did any of that encourage you whatsoever? Now that's what you're a part of. That's what you're a part of, the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to meet people's needs, not just spiritual, but physical, mental, and emotional. And there's answers in the church. The church mobilized is the greatest force for good on the earth. Now, that's the truth. Don't believe the media and the news because they overemphasize a few people or a few situations that went wrong, and they needed to be held accountable. But that's not the church. The church is billions and billions of people that love Jesus, that love other people, that are serving this world. In every continent, in every country, all around the world today, there's churches meeting, helping people, feeding people, clothing people, helping them with their mental and emotional health, helping them more than anything with their spiritual life and having them to know God and to love God and to find a relationship with God. That's what the church is. Don't believe the lies. I feel like you're with me today. I appreciate that. Matthew 16 and verse 18. Let's read it again. Jesus speaking here. He said, and I say to you that you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, what does this word church mean? In the original language, it's the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. That word, the definition of it literally means the called out assembly. Or we could say the gathering of God's people. The community of believers in Jesus. But the literal meaning is God's called out or separated out assembly. Now there's reason I'm bringing that to your knowledge this morning. Because when, when God says the church, he's talking about this word ecclesia, which is the called out assembly. Notice in the definition of that, it's about the group, not the individual. Because this is another pushback I get, and we're going to talk about many 
different things that people say about why I don't need church or, or things that they feel like, you know, I got a good excuse to keep myself out of church. I'm going to talk about some of those things and, and give you some answers today. But we need to realize, what is the church? Well, the church is literally, the definition is the called out assembly. God has called us out and separated us out by his love and by his spirit. We've accepted Jesus, so we've been called out of darkness into light. And since we've been called out, he puts us together with a group of people, a gathering, a community, assembly that we can do life with and we can grow together and learn together. But he never calls us out to be by ourselves. He never calls us out to pastor ourselves at Coffee Crossing. No such thing. He always calls you out into a group, a community, a gathering, an assembly. When the word church is mentioned all throughout the New Testament, it's always in the group sense, never the individual sense. Because some of you are like, well, I am the church wherever I go. Well, actually, if you're going to be scriptural, it talks about specifically you being with other people, not just by yourself. So I've heard many people say that so they don't have to be a part of church. They say, well, I'm a part of the global church. No such thing. No such thing in your Bible. You got to realize this, that in your Bible, you can't be a part of the global church unless you're a part of the local church. Let me dive into this a little deeper in case you're pushing back on me this morning. Every letter you have written in your Bible, in your New Testament, is to a local church. Every letter written to a person like Peter or James or, or Timothy, they were all leaders in the local church. Even the traveling ministers and people we see in the New Testament had a local church that they would go back to and report to. There was no one, hear me, in the New Testament church that didn't have a local assembly that they were a part of. No one. There was, there was no such thing as a New Age person saying, I'm just a part of the global church. No, you're not unless you're a part of the local church. Now, you're still saved and going to heaven. God bless you. But you're not going to get to where you need to get by yourself. You're not going to grow. You're not going to mature. You're not going to become the person God has created you to be because you're doing it a different way from the way that God told you to do it, which is to be a part of his church. Once again, that word ecclesia is the word. It means called out ones in assembly together. The separated ones called out together. Never about the individual. It's always about the group. Now, especially in this country, because we are um, in the world, we are known to be individualistic people, Americans. God bless you. I got my rights. I'll do it by myself. I'll tie my bootstraps up. All things that most Americans say, not necessarily all scriptural. And we got to judge ourselves. Sometimes the things that we think are true are just American stuff, not Bible stuff. The Bible always points to the group, not the individual. Americans point to the individual and act like we don't need anybody else. You need people. 
So some of us will say, well, I'm just a part of the global church, Pastor. I don't need a local church. No, you need a local church. There is no such thing in the New Testament as a, somebody who didn't have a local church. They, they were either a leader in that church or they were a part of the local church. But whatever church it was, they had a local assembly where they gathered together. Here's something to note. 114 times in the New Testament, the church is mentioned. And 90 of those times refer to the local assembly. That means almost every time it's talking about the local assembly. Like when you read Corinthians, guess what? It's written to a church, a local church at Corinth. When you read Ephesians, it's written to a local church at Ephesus. When he uses the word church, it's always about the group. And hear me, God set it up that way, not because he's trying to control you. It's because he's trying to help you and he knows you need people. You can't do this by yourself. You need the group. You need the assembly because you can help each other. You can strengthen each other. You can help each other become all you're called to be. You, but you cannot do it by yourself. No one can. Even church leaders can't do it by themselves. You got to have a local church. And yes, we honor the global church. We just talked about the global church. And I'm excited that I'm connected this morning to 2.4 billion people. Are you excited about that? We got a big family worldwide, but I can't be excited about that and not be excited about my local church. Because it's not either or, it's both and. God places you in the global church, but he will place you in a local church assembly that can help you, that can strengthen you, but we all need one. And hear me this morning, if it's not here, go find one. The answer is not like, well, I can't find one. No, that's not the answer. If it's not here, go find one. If you don't like me, go find a different pastor. If you don't like this church, there's hundreds of churches in this region. But the answer is not, okay, well, I'm just not going to go anywhere. You're only hurting yourself. Everyone needs a local church. More importantly than that, and I'm not going to talk about it this week. I'm going to talk about it next week. God has a specific place that you need to be. And he knows that. And if you're listening, he'll tell you the right place. And if it's not Church on the Rock, he's not going to say, oops, I forgot about you. You don't got a place, bud. No, he's going to tell you at church. It might not be here, but it will be somewhere. It's not like, uh, you know what? You're so spiritual. I'm just going to let you pastor yourself. Because you just got it all together. <laughs> he would never say that. So can I talk a little bit more about people's objections to the church? That was about like 25%. Let me try that again. Can we talk some more about people's objections to the church? Because today I want to talk about why I love the church, and you should too. So we dealt with that one. So if you hear your friends say that, I'm a part of the global church, you'd be like, no, actually you're not. Because listen, if you were, you'd be a part of a local church. Then line it out like I did for them, Okay. Here's another one we hear a lot in the church world. Well, I don't want to come to church because everybody's a hypocrite. You know what the answer to that is? Yes. All of us are, including you. So what's your point? 
Because the definition of a hypocrite is like somebody who says they believe this and do that. The opposite. Have we all done that? I mean, we don't try to do that at this point, but there's days that you say, I'm going to be loving, and then someone cuts you off in traffic. You're a hypocrite. We're all there. But that's another excuse people give. I don't want to be a part of church because everybody's fake and phony and hypocritical. Yes, and you are too. And that's not the reason you come to church. Am I getting a little excited? Are you okay? Is your eardrums all right? All right. That's not why you come to church anyways. You know what church is? It's all of us hypocrites getting together to say we don't got it together. And we come together and say we're not here because we got it together. We're here because Jesus got it together for us. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because he's perfect. We're here because we're trying to learn together and grow together and be the church that God's called us to be, not because we're perfect. Should I dial it back a little bit? Are you good? You good? Okay, okay. Do you see how that makes no sense whatsoever? I just don't want to be around hypocrites. And don't be around yourself, dude. Because you are, and so is everybody else. That's not why we're here. We're here because we serve a perfect God. We, we serve a God who saved us and healed us. Do you realize even the word saved? Saved means you couldn't do anything about it. And God had to come rescue you. What can you boast about that? You can't. And that's what we're saying. We're not saying we come to church because we're proper and we're religious and we got it together. That's not why we come here. Because some people are like, well, you think you're better than somebody because you go to church. No, I go to church because I need it. And I'm actually humble enough to admit it. That's why I come here. I'm about to do a Michael Jackson dance move if you don't respond a little better. We come because we serve a God who's perfect. And we come to learn and grow together and we help each other. That's why we're here. Here's another one I get. I'm not into, I'm not into organized religion and I'm really not into like this building because the building's not the church anyways. Yeah, duh. It's not. No one said it was. But there's another excuse. People are like, I, I, it's about the building. It's about organized religion. Listen to this. <laughs> That's the same as you saying you as a family don't need a home. Well, the house is not the family. Okay, so you want to be homeless? No, you need a home for the family to do life together. You need a home so you can do what you do as a family. Same way for the church. The church is the family of God. So we need buildings. Why? So the family can get together. The family can do life together. The family can eat together at a picnic. The family can listen together and worship together. But we need buildings. Duh, they're not the church. But neither is your home. 
your family. But you need it because that's where the family does life. We're not worshiping this building. You realize we could sell this tomorrow and it can turn into a, you know, a fire king or a, a plant that's down the hill there. It would no longer be a church because we're not here. But we need buildings. And this is a funny thing, too. I've like, I don't like organized religion. What Do you want unorganized religion? <laughs> do you want us to just not make a schedule, not have it together, just wing it at church? What do you want from us? No, that's a dumb comment. I don't like organized religion. Well, what do you want us to do? Just wing it here? No, you realize if the church is important to you, you have to have some structure to it. Like any other organization, you have to have some structure and some, some things in place to make it excellent if you want it to grow. So the church has to have those things. Duh, that's not the church, but you have to have it as the church. Are you getting anything this morning? I got a few more. And then I'm going to end it with a beautiful section on why Jesus loves his church. Are you getting some today? Here's another one, and this can be touchy. So this one is legitimately, I've been hurt by the church. Now, we've seen that in the past several years. Church hurt, church abuse, blogs about do better church. Listen to me this morning. I'm not talking about, when I say church hurt, and I push back on that, I'm not talking about someone got abused at church or something sexual happened or financial. If that happened in a church you belong to, you should hit the road, Jack. Like, I'm not defending pastors or churches that did that. They need to be in jail. So when I say church hurt, I'm not talking about that type of stuff. Because people automatically go to that. I'm talking about most people, hear me, in the church world, when they say they've been hurt by the church, they're not talking about something like sexual abuse. If they were, I'm for them, and they need to leave that church. Most people, when they say church hurt, they're not talking about the pastor or the church did something wrong with their money. Most people that I know that say church hurt, they're not talking about some kind of mental and emotional abuse that happened at church. You know what they're talking about? They got offended about something petty. And they use that as an excuse to never come back to that church or any church because they say, I've been hurt by church. So I'm going to push back on that gently on that comment, I've been hurt by church. Thus mean. I don't want to be a part of church anymore, and I'm never going to go back. Once again, I'm not talking about those serious situations. You should leave that church. But even in that situation, you still need to find another church. And I know that's hurtful. I know that's hard. But once you heal, you need to go find a better church because you still need that if that's been your case. But most people are talking about this. Somebody hurt my feelings at Life Group. Pastor preached a kind of strong message, and I got upset. I tried out for the worship team, and Amzie said, no. 
That was me. I was offended by that. So when most people say I've been hurt by church, they're not talking about this serious stuff. And like I said, if they are, I'm with them. But most people are dealing with petty stuff and they want to find one thing that will give them the out to leave the church where that church could really help them. And if that's your case today, I want you to hear me clearly. I'm sorry that that happened, but that's not a reason to give up God's church. And if you're really hurting that bad, then go somewhere else and find a better church. I'm, but stay in church, whatever it is. The answer's not stay at home now because I'm offended. Because everyone needs the church. But hear me. It's interesting that we use that in the church world, but we don't use that in other situations with your life. Your coworkers have hurt your feelings way worse than church people, but you're still at that stinking job. Why? Show me the money. Oh, you're not that offended because you're getting paid. But in the church, you're like, I'm out. Your bosses have cussed you out and you're still working there. Your coworkers talk bad about you all the time. You're still there. So if we're gonna if we're gonna act like I've been hurt, I gotta leave everywhere, then I guess you gotta quit your job too. You hang around friends and family that have hurt you more than church people. Why do you do that? Well, they're family, I got to. Well, if with that line of thinking, then give them up too. I'll tell you where that goes. If you're going to do that in the church, eventually you'll get to the place where you're not going to have a job. You're not going to have a life. You're not going to have any friends. You're not going to have any family. You're not going to have any neighbors. You're not going to have any church because everybody will eventually offend you. Why? Because they're people. And if we're going to throw people away just because they offend us, then we're going to live isolated and eventually we'll be sitting in our closet by ourselves. I'm trying to help you this morning if you're listening to me. So we can't use this, I've been hurt by the church. We've all been hurt by the church. Can I say something very vulnerable? Guess who's been hurt by the church more than you guys? Me. Dad. Hundreds of people. You want names? Let's start listening them. But you know what? We don't get the option to go home and pout and be like, well, I give up. I'm never helping anybody ever again because they hurt my feelings. But you act like you can do that. Can you? Not be a Christian. Because Jesus said you need to be loving. You need to forgive. You need to be long-suffering. Come on, let's think together today, people. But you know what? Every week, I don't get up and talk about church hurt and people have hurt my feelings. I I could. I got a long list at home and a dartboard that goes with it. <laughs> Joking. But you know what I always chalk it up to, which you should too? They're people. They're not God. They're just acting like people do, which sometimes they hurt your feelings, and sometimes they talk bad about you, and sometimes they, they betray you, and sometimes people say one thing and do the other. That's living in this planet. And you know what I have to do as your pastor? I have to go in my prayer closet and say, guess what? I forgive those people because there's all these hundreds of other people that need me, and if I'm bitter and in unforgiveness, I can't help you guys who really want to be here. 
But it's the same for you guys. I've been hurt by the church. Wes, your pastor, I'm sorry for that. And if it was me, it was definitely unintentional, and I'm sorry for that. But no matter what the hurt, let God heal you, and you still need a church. You need one. Even if it's not this one, you need one. I'm going to close with these three things. I've been talking today about why I love the church, and you should too. The first thing is Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves his church. That's why I love the church, because Jesus loves his church. The Bible uses these words in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. Do you notice the language of that, that it's personal and possessive to Jesus? Jesus said, this is my church. People would say it like this because we believe in the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's one God in three persons, but they've said it like this, that the, the gift that the Father gave to the Son was the church, the bride of Christ. That we're a gift that the Father gave Jesus, the church. In Ephesians 5, you can just write this down, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, it says that Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for the church. Just like a husband should for his wife. That's the context of the scripture. So why do I love the church? I love it because Jesus loves it. And if you love Jesus, you'll love what he loves. You'll care about what he cares about. And Jesus said he loved the church and he gave his life for the church. And if I love him, I'll love what he loves and I'll give my life for the same thing. Which is the church of Jesus Christ. But Jesus loves his church. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. They are one. Jesus and his church are one. You can't separate the two. It's interesting to note in Acts 9, 4 and 5, you can write this down. When Saul was persecuting the church and killing Christians, Jesus appeared to Saul and said, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why do you persecute my church? He said, why do you persecute me? Why? Because Jesus and his church are one. And if you pick on his church, you're picking on Jesus. If you roast his church online, you're roasting Jesus. If you complain about Christian leaders online, then you're complaining about Jesus. If you bash the church, you're not just bashing the church, you're bashing Jesus because Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul was like, what you talking about? I don't even know who you are. I'm killing Christians. But when you're hurting them, you're hurting him because they're one. That's his bride. Jesus loves his church. Yes, his bride is not perfect. His bride has got issues. But the church is still Jesus' bride. That's his church. And it belongs to him. So I'm going to be on the side of loving his church and giving my life for his church, not bashing his church. Because that's Jesus' bride. He takes it personally. Now, if somebody was talking about your husband or wife, and you actually liked your husband or wife, <laughs> you would take that personally, wouldn't you? Come on out, wouldn't you? You would say, those are fighting words. 
Only I can talk to them that way. <laughs> you would get defensive. Why? Because when you got married, you became one. And if someone picks on one, picks on the other. And someone picks on this one, picks on the other one. And Jesus and the church are one. That's his bride. And he loves his church. And we should love his church as well and give our life for it. The next thing is Jesus said he's building his church. That's why you should love it. He's building his church. That's the only thing that Jesus said he's building, and he's been building it for 2,000 years. He's building his church. And we get the privilege of being a part of what he's building on the earth. But why is he building it? He's building it for people. He's building it to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's building it. That's why we should love his church, because Jesus is building it. And I want to be a part of what he's doing. He's building it. The thing that I've seen is this. A lot of us want to build our own thing and say, God, bless it, instead of get on what he's building, and then he will bless it. A lot of church people want to come and say, I want the blessing, Pastor. I want the blessing of God. Well, what are you doing with your life? Are you building just your career? Are you just building your time away? Are you building your vacations? Are you building your little family and, and your little group? Or What are you building? Because you're looking for God's blessing, but Jesus is just building his church. And if you want his blessing, get in on what he's building, and then the blessing will be there. We want God to bless our house, but how does he bless our house? When we start blessing his house. We want God to bless our family, but how does he do it when we start blessing his family? Because they're one. But why do I love the church? Because Jesus is building his church. And he's building it through us. Brother Daryl, could you come play? Lastly, the reason I love the church this morning. Did you guys get anything today? Will you have me back? All right, deal. I'll come back. And I'll bring the sandwiches, Miss Marion. You better believe it. You know what? Side note, as Daryl plays, it makes me sound more anointed. <laughs> After the Pastor Nancy meeting, there was all these turkey and ham sandwiches left over in the fridge at church. No one mentioned that to me, staff. <laughs> so one day, Natalie was hungry and I, were, I was hungry and I was like, there's got to be something around here to eat. So I opened up the refrigerator back there. And as soon as I saw it, I said, bring the sandwiches. Look at that. Miss Marion had a prophetic word that day. There was ham and turkey sandwiches everywhere. And you know what happened the next day? Me and Michael took a hike. I told him to take a hike after the hike. But <laughs> me and Michael came back and were like, I'm so hungry. And I was like, Michael, did you know that there is sandwiches in the fridge at church? He's like, I didn't know that. I said, open it up bring the sandwiches so he's thought about it as a graphic designer he's working on a bring the sandwiches shirt maybe <laughs> only if you all buy it he's like I'm going to take a picture of this and this could be a potential church on the rock shirt bring the sandwiches for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about talk to somebody and figure it out 
Lastly, why I love the church, because the church is the vehicle God is using to change the world. Like I said at the beginning, he doesn't got plan B. He didn't got plan B. We're it, guys. Ain't nobody else coming. And not just us, but all 2.4 billion of us around the world, we're it. And Jesus will not come back until the mission of God is done. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. And all of us get to be a part of this. That's why I love the church. Not just because Jesus loves it. I love it. Not just because he's building his church, but I get to be a part of it. The church is the vehicle that God is using to change the world. And some of you say, well, don't talk like that. Jesus is. Because when you say stuff like, the church is a solution to the world in the hope of the world. They're like, that's Jesus. But how is he doing it? He's doing it through his church. You can't separate the two. He's doing it through us. Jesus said that he is the head and we're the body. So if it's got to get done, they have to work together. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So guess what? If somebody's going to go to this country and share the good news, guess where the feet are? In the body. If somebody's going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, come on now, somebody. Where are the hands at? They're in the body. If somebody's going to see deliverance take place and, and demons cast out, guess where the hands are? In the body. Somebody's going to have to lay hands on them and command the devil to come out. So Jesus is doing it, but he's doing it through his church. He's the head, we're the body. But what a privilege, church family, that we get to be a part of what Jesus is doing. I love this in the Gospels when Jesus was 12. He was in the temple and uh, he was talking the scriptures with all these older scribes and Pharisees and they were astounded at how much he knew. And when his mama found him, she said, Jesus, we've been looking for you for days. Where you been at? And he said, Mom, I got to be about my father's business. But you know what? That's what the church is. It's the father's business. Or more specifically, it's a family business. And we get to be a part of it. Jesus is not the only one in the family business now. There's 2.4 billion of us. All sons and daughters of the Most High God. We get to be a part of God's business on the earth. It's a family thing. And we get to be a part of that business as his sons and daughters, doing what he's called us to do, fulfilling the Great Commission, seeking and saving that which was lost, and helping others come home and find God and find freedom and discover the purpose that God has for their life. We get to be a part of that. Isn't that a privilege, church? The church is God's vehicle to change the world. I love this. Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, which we highly respected this church, he's really a spiritual great-grandfather of me. Before he passed away in 2003, he said, what is God doing in the earth today? He said he's building strong 
local churches. Why is he building strong local churches? Because that's how the world changes. And he said he's building strong local churches who will go with the word and move with God's spirit. Because that's what God is using to change the world. Do you, do you want to know how to change the world? And, and I know when I say change the world, it's like, that's huge. There's like almost 8 billion people. How are we going to do that? It's real simple, actually. You want to know how? Anybody know, want to know how over here? I got it figured out. You want to know how the world has changed? This is what we do. If there's a strong local church in every continent, in every country, in every region, in every town, and that local church changes that area for Jesus, and that local church changes that area for Jesus, and that local church changes that area for Jesus, guess what? The world will be changed. That's how he does it. God has not given us the responsibility to change the world, Church on the Rock. He's given it to his global church. But if we change our region, and they change their region, and they change their region, guess what? All the regions will be changed. All the towns will be changed. All the cities, all the countries, all the continents. And that's how Jesus is changing his world. But he's not just doing it through one church. He's doing it through all of us together. He's building, what did Brother Hagin say? He's building strong local churches who will preach his word and move with the spirit. That's how it changes. So we don't need to get overwhelmed when I say change the world. He's not asking you to do everything. He's just asking you to change the area you're in. If you do that, and they do that, and they do that, everything gets changed. God's kingdom is moved ahead. God's kingdom is planted. God's kingdom grows, and the world is saved through his church. But Jesus is doing that through us. Can we stand up today? You guys get anything this morning? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just raise our hands for a second. I want to pray for a few things today. Father, I pray first of all that you'd put a supernatural love for God's church and all these people this morning. Not a fake love, but a real love for your church, for the bride of Christ, that they would love it, that they would give themselves for it, that they would build what you're building on the earth. We thank you that when we do that, you will build us. You build our house. You'll build our family. Father, we say we love your church. We're not going to do your church harm. We're not going to bash your church. We're not going to come after your church. We're going to do everything we can to build what you're building and love your bride and give ourselves for it. We make that commitment today. I pray for a supernatural love to be imparted to everyone here today. Even people that have gone sour against the church, I believe today's a new day for you. God's putting a new love in your heart for God's church. Supernatural love for God's church. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for a second if we could stay in this place together because I feel like God's, God's moving in here. His Spirit's moving in here. I felt strongly when I was out walking yesterday. 
I want us to pray as a church family for all the churches in this region. Now hear me this morning. We're all on the same team. Y'all here today? I know we disagree on certain things. Every church is do from denomination to different styles and different backgrounds. But if they're preaching Jesus and they love God and they're seeing people saved, we're on the same team, y'all. And so I just want to pray for them as a church right now because we can't just say we love our church. If we love the church, then that means we love all the churches. The good, the bad, the ugly. We love them all because they're all a part of Jesus' bride. We can't pick and choose. They're all a part of his bride. So could we just lift them up today as a church family for a second? Father, I pray right now. Church on the Rock, we pray right now for every church in this region. We pray, Father God, for strength for their pastor. We pray for uh, strength for them in their inner man. We pray for encouragement to be upon them. We pray, Father God, that that church would grow, that they would increase, that they would see salvations, that they would see healings, that they would see deliverances. Father, we pray for them, that, that you would move in their church, that revival would move through them. That, Father, that we pray that they would have more than enough of finances for their church to do what they're called to do. We pray that their church would increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with you. And we pray for supernatural increase to happen in these churches. Father, we lift them up to you right now because you don't just love this church, you love the church. You love all churches in this area. Father, we pray right now specifically. I'm just going to think of a few ones. And let's let's get in agreement. Father, we pray for Northside right now. We pray for Southeast. We pray for Graceland. We pray for Hillside. We pray for all the Methodist churches in this region. All the Baptist churches in this region. Father, we pray for all the Catholic churches in this region. We pray for every type of church. Non-denominational churches. The Pentecostal churches. The Lutheran churches. Any church in this region that loves you and preaches Jesus. Father, we're for them today, and we lift them up to you right now in the name of Jesus. We pray over them that they would be strengthened with might in their inner man, that those churches would grow and they would explode with people. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you, Father, for it. Can we pray in the Spirit for a second, if that's okay? Father, we pray in the Spirit right now over these churches in our region. Come on, let me hear you this morning. Let me hear you this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these other churches, strengthening them, encouraging them this morning, helping them today. We thank you for all the leadership of those churches, all the worship teams represented, all the ushers, 
all the kids workers. Pray that you'd refresh them right now in the name of Jesus. Give them a new strength for this new season of church. Thank you, Father, for it. Let us see revival in this city, revival in this region for you and for your glory. And not just this church, but every church that wants to be a part of it. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we lift up every church leader that we've just prayed about. And Father, there may be hindrances from the devil attacking them. I sensed that as I stood there just a minute ago praying in tongues. So we take our faith and we rebuke you, Satan. Every assignment that you have against fellow pastors and associates and staffs and leaders in the churches in this community, we rebuke you, command you to leave them alone. And Father, we pray for the power of God to take its place and move them out and move them through, through, through the thoroughness that you have for them and the fullness that you have for them. And let them move forward now in a dynamic way, we pray, in the name of Jesus. You said whatever we bind, we'll be bound. So we bind every evil work that comes from the enemy trying to slow them down and hinder them. And we loose them in the fullness of what you've called them to do, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got two more things. One is, where's Sam at? Is he back there? Okay, Sam just had an ACL surgery. So could we all lift our hands up to him? I'm going to come all the way back there. And we're just going to pray for him that he would have a supernatural recovery. Thank you, Father. I know he's already recovering quickly, but Father, we just pray for Sam right now that you continue to heal his knee. Everything in there, we command it to be strengthened in Jesus' name. We thank you for a supernatural recovery. We thank you for the strength of God to flow through it. We thank you for the doctors. We even say, man, this is such a quick recovery, and your knees have come back stronger, and your legs have come back stronger, and they're better than they were before. And we thank you. We get in agreement as a church family that your power will continue to move through his body and strengthen him, and he'll come back to full force and full power in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for it and we get an agreement as a church family over that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Do you guys agree today? Yes. One more thing. You guys don't have somewhere to be, right? Golden Corral? Yeah, you'd rather be here. Okay. Amen. Just one more thing. Dad's meeting starts... Tuesday night through Friday. So could we just pray for him for a second? Brother Les, could you lay hands on him with me? Father, we just thank you for strength for dad. We thank you for strength in his body, strength in his mind, strength in his spirit. We thank you, Father God, that he would be renewed in his inward man, that you give him a word in season for everyone who comes to this conference. We pray that he'd walk in the fullness of the prophet's ministry, that you give him words of knowledge and words of wisdom, that you give him prophetic words, and that you would lead him and guide him on every service on what to do and what to say. Father, we thank you that refreshing would be upon him and in his hands and on his body. And we thank you for strengthening him with might and your power in his inner man. We thank you that this would be the best word and spirit conference we've ever had at Church on the Rock. That it would be an impartation for our church and for all the ministers here. We thank you, Father God. We come expecting and we come prayed up and ready to receive. We thank you for using dad and helping him right now in the name of Jesus. Unless you got anything you want to share or say? You're good. Well, Father, we thank you for Dad right now that 
the power of God would move on him and strengthen him like never before. We thank you for that call and gift on his life that we would draw on that and the other pastors and leaders would draw on that gift as well to impart to younger generations. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, did you guys have a good time today? We love you. We'll see you on Tuesday night for the Word and Spirit Conference. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you've done in this place today. We thank you. We love your church, and we're going to build it the rest of our lives and give ourselves for it. We thank you that the church is what you're using, and we get to be a part of it to see your will done on this earth. We thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. And we thank you for each other in the unity in this place. We love you today, and we love each other in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.